This podcast is being brought to you by the 6th Avenue Baptist Church. Steve Crocker co-anchors First at Nine and WBRC Fox 6 News at 10 at WBRC Fox 6 News. Steve grew up watching television news in Queens, New York, and was introduced to broadcasting by his older brother, Rob, who does jazz radio in the New York area. Steve's broadcasting career began at WCLK Radio in Atlanta while attending Morehouse College, where he earned a BA in mass communications. After working as a producer and reporter at several radio stations in Atlanta in the late 1980s, he moved to TV in 1990 as a news writer for CNN working on stories including the fall of the Soviet Union, the Los Angeles riots, and the O.J. Simpson trial. On occasion, Steve also filled in as an anchor for CNN, Headline News, and CNN's Airport Channel. In 1995, Steve went to work as a reporter and morning anchor for KDFW-TV, the Fox station in Dallas. In 1998, Steve moved to WIS-TV in Columbia, South Carolina to anchor the 6 p.m. and 11 p.m. news. In 2003, Steve joined the WBRC Fox 16 and has been proud to be in Birmingham ever since. Steve Crocker, tell me a joke. So, in my office, there's a guy, young guy named Alex, sits a few feet away from me. Uh, and so, Alex has a small whiteboard at his desk. This is not the joke, by the way, but I'm getting to the joke. Okay. So, Alex has a small whiteboard at his desk, and every day he writes a joke on the whiteboard. Um, a lot of them are really good. Um, none of them I can remember at the moment. <laughs> But I said to him yesterday, hey, look, man, I've got to be on this podcast, and I need a joke. You know, you got something for me? Uh-huh. And he says, well, on a scale of 1 to 10, how dirty can it be? And I said, well, I think the podcast is sponsored by the church I go to. <laughs> and he's like, oh, man, okay. So if you don't like the joke... Remember, my man Alex had this awesome, dirty joke. He had it also. It got you. you. Know, <laughs> so I'm, just, I'm just saying. Right. So the, the joke is this. Um, what did the fish say when he hit a wall? What? Damn. <laughs> yes, yes. What do you call a news anchor without a deadline? <laughs> Eternity. That's what you're... Unemployed. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. 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 Man, um, I told you a long time ago, I don't know if you remember this, but um 
when you first moved to Birmingham, you know, I saw your picture. <laughs> and for whatever reason, and, and you were moving here, I was chairman of the 100 Black Men, and I wanted you to join all of And for whatever reason, looking at your picture, I just thought you were a short guy. Do you remember me? And so when I met you, I was like, whoa, hold on. So um, that was, that was I don't know if you remember that, but that's kind of how we met when you first moved. It happens to me every day, man. Yeah. <laughs> that was all the time. Yeah. You, you don't look that tall. Like if I had a dollar for every time I heard that, yeah. I, mean, I would need this job. <laughs> Maybe you, know? you need to take your picture in some type of way to show that off. But um the the first thing that that jumps out to me, um, and this you know this is just a me thing, is that you're from New York, mm-hmm. right? And I would love to know. I would love for you to paint a picture of what it is to grow up in the big city. You know what I'm saying? In, mm-hmm. in comparison to being here in small town. Birmingham, not that it's small town, but, and, um, you know, I know you have a sib- one sibling. Do you have more siblings? Tell me I about I got a boatload, your- man. Really? I got one for every day of the week. Okay. Uh, and your parents, like, tell tell us about you, the, the, the untold story. So in terms of growing up in New York, um, the thing that I think just rings out to me is that anything is possible. And what I mean by that is you could go, especially if you're going into Manhattan, um, I mean, you can see anybody. Like Yasser Arafat made my dad late for work one day because when he flew into Kennedy Airport, they shut down the highway that my dad took to work so that they could make sure that he got to the UN. On time. You know, without anybody. (laughs) Right. You know. Um, As if New Yorkers care. Right. <laughs> you know. Some of them care a lot, but yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, and so, um, you know, you, you just walk down the street and there's this person that whose book you bought or whose record you bought, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, my brother had a birthday party, uh, had a birthday dinner one night, this restaurant. Um, cross street, I think, from where he lived in the village. And so, you know, he's a he's a jazz DJ, so he's got a couple of jazz artists at the table. Mm-hmm. And I look over and there's this guy, and I can't remember remember I uh, can't remember the guy's name, but you have seen this dude in a bazillion movies. Right. He's a little character actor. Right. Usually plays the the you know um uh Befuddled mid-level manager, <laughs> yeah. you know, balding, you know, yeah. and dude is just sitting there by himself at dinner reading a book. Yeah, you know, um, my neighborhood. Um, I'm from Jamaica, uh, area called St. Albans. Okay, and in the fifties and sixties, it was the suburbs. It's still okay. the city of uh, city of New York, but. If you lived in Brooklyn or Manhattan and you came out to Queens and you saw houses that had lawns, yeah, it felt like the suburbs. So you had folks like Lena Horne, Count Basie, um, Brooke Benton, James Brown. Wow. 
owned houses, yeah. like within walking distance of my house. And so, you know, Count Basie's house, you know, we lived about eight blocks from, from the main park. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you'd go walk to the park, and the last block before the park, you'd see Count Basie's house. Now, I never saw him, but he had this, this like, six-foot-high fence, and, you know, he had a pool in his backyard. And it was one night he had a party and just limos all around the block. And we tried to see, you know, he had the, this fence. That, we could see that there were people. We couldn't see who they were. Right. And there's the water was splashing and his band is playing. And it's just, you know, um, just like, man, who's in there? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um so and it probably was the who's who. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so, you know, there is that element of it. You could meet. You know, you go on uh, go on an elevator, and you know. Yeah. Here's the CEO or, or what have you. Right. Um, it's also it's also a a very tough place to live. Yeah. If you don't have money. Um, I spent a lot of time waiting on public transportation, mm-hmm. you know, even with one of the, arguably the best public transit system in the world. But, um, but I'm grateful that, you know, nowadays I don't have to wait on the Q42 I'm, or the Q5. Or I'm glad you brought that up because that is, that is one of my vivid thoughts. Mm-hmm. I, I have, um, friends who live in New York and, like at a very young age, they put their kids out mm-hmm. there on the street to oh, yeah. go to school, you know. Yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah. I think we would have a heart attack here and to see that level of bustling going around. And here come the little kids headed to school. You know, my mom. I think the first time I rode the subway by myself, I was like ten, ten, ten or eleven, something like that. And my aunt, um, my mom's sister. Uh, was always they loved to hang out in Manhattan and they would walk you for blocks like you know on the coldest day of the year yeah. just so you could see the the uh, the windows the store windows uh, you know decorated for Christmas right. and she said okay well you're gonna go with um, Aunt Dot to this play or whatever and she drops me off and uh, gives me uh, subway fare and all right this is where you stop is where you get off and I'm I'm scared to death man I'm like <laughs> please god don't let me miss <laughs> right this stop cuz you know I I can't make out this maze of, of somewhere yeah. but yeah I got off the train aunt was waiting for me and we just went Now on what and did it. your parents do So my parents um my dad worked in the garment district Okay and so he was a shipping foreman for okay. um for a thread company um, actually, well, first it was a, a materials company, and he went to a thread company. My mom um, did several jobs. Um, you know, worked for uh, I think worked for the New York Fed at one point. Okay. Worked uh, for a credit card company, the company that that puts your number on your credit card. That sort yeah. of thing. She um, she was also a, a real estate agent. Okay. At one point, you know, my my parents um, dropped out of high school uh, because they started our family when they were teenagers. Uh huh. And um, and so my dad just went to work. And, yeah. Um, my mom got her GED while I was in middle school. 
middle school okay. or high school. Yeah. And so, you know, um, there was just no slacking on your homework because if your mom is at the table doing hers, yeah, you know, you better be somewhere and close. How many, and tell me how many siblings again? So I have eight siblings. Wow. Um, you literally do have one yeah. for every day of the week. Yeah, yeah. Six of them, um, six of them still with us. Uh, okay. And so, yeah, um, six boys, three girls. Okay. And where do yeah. you fall in that? So I'm the fourth. Okay. Um, which is why I do Dead TV. Center. Like, you know, if my you know, if my family, if my parents had just had like two kids, I'd be working at a bank someplace or something like that. <laughs> but, you know, they never get attention. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Okay. And what made you, oh, for, I always have to ask, were you the athlete or were you the, in the band? You know, what, what was your middle school and high school like? You know? Well, you know, I loved I loved sports. Um, I actually I was learning to play violin in, in elementary school, and I missed the test to test into the band for middle school. Oh and wow! Just never you know uh, just never followed up. But uh, was so by by the time I started high school, I was like six two, uh-huh. and people just wouldn't stop coming at me about basketball, and I couldn't articulate it. At the time, but something just felt really, really wrong about people expecting me to be, to play basketball without ever asking me. Right. You know. Right. They what just I wanted knew to do. You. Yeah, yeah. You know, like of course you're going to play yeah, basketball. You know, I mean, because that's how you make a million dollars. Well, what about the dude who owns the team? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so I ran track, um, not because I loved it. I didn't love it, but I liked it. Yeah. It was. Um, it was cool. I, I was not great. Um, don't ever recall winning a medal yeah but but it was of course you're in great shape yeah uh and it's exciting i mean i still watch track meets yeah um when i can some of the guys that i saw that i used to watch um you know i mean are, are still heroes of mine you know the reason i went to morehouse is I that's was, why I, what I was, I was gonna ask I, yeah. was, I was watching the 76 olympics and saw edwin moses and uh you know so not only was he you know, this great hurdler. Um, but, you know, it was the interview with Jim McKay afterwards. Mm. And he was just so cool and so smart. And so I'm like, Morehouse College, where's that? You know? Yeah. And so, uh, so yeah. And when you went to Morehouse, did you know you wanted to go into journalism? What, or did you just know, I want to be a Morehouse man. I like that path to manhood like what what was going on in your in your mind at that time so you know I'm the first person in my family to graduate from college so okay. we as a family didn't have a whole lot of experience with it and so I didn't really know how to think about it I didn't know I was not a great high school student mm-hmm. um, I still don't know why they let me into Morehouse <laughs> um, I just know they did and thank you Jesus but um, so you know, and and there was the whole um, you know HBCU thing, mm-hmm. and because um, what year was this again? So this would have been seventy nine when I 79. started. Seventy nine, okay, yeah. And uh, you know, so it was like, well, do you want to leave New York? And you know, I was one of the kids who wanted to get out of New York for a minute. Okay. Um, and so, uh, so I had wanted at that point to. Uh, to do TV news okay. because, you know, I watched 
Gil Noble and Bryant Gumble and um, Jim, um, oh, oh, the not Jim McKay, but um, it was a guy on Channel Two, the CBS station, used to watch all the time. Okay, um, who was just it seemed like a great job. You know, yeah. you get to share information. Um, if the anchors didn't have to go out to the crime scenes and go out in the weather and all that. Yeah. But, um, and then I got to school and um, got involved in TV production. Okay. And um, also was in New York one summer, and my brother had a friend who worked at ABC and convinced his friend of his to just sort of take me around. Mm-hmm. And we're walking through the building, and there's this editing suite, and the guy sticks his head in and says, hey, you know, I got this kid. Can, can he chill out? And the producer says, sure. So producer's a dude named Rick Wilkinson who had just gotten out of Syracuse. And already, uh, he's just that smart and that good that he's already producing the promos for Nightline, which was a huge show mm-hmm. um, at that point in time. So here it is. It's like 6, 7 o'clock at night, and we're in this editing suite, low lights, leather furniture. They're ordering out for dinner and stuff. And uh, they're ordering video from the video library, music from the music library. Uh, he's directing the guy who's doing the voiceovers. Like, man, come on, do it again, man. This is not a Macy's commercial. Come on, you're not selling mattresses. This is, you know. Uh, and I was like, that's it. That's it. You knew. <laughs> you know. This is, I, you know, let's, let's try to be one of the guys in the truck. Yeah. And so that was what I focused on through school. And then um, so um, so I never wound up taking a journalism class because, you know, uh, and I tell people all the time, my mom, again, you know, has a GED and I'm coming home from college and talking about all this production stuff. And she says, you know, are you sure you shouldn't take one journalism class? Are you sure? That, that sounds like, are you sure? You, Mom, no, I'm not. I'm going to be one of the guys in the truck. I'm not right. going to wear a suit and tie to work every day. So the moral of the story is listen to your mom. Listen to your mom. <laughs> listen to your mother, man. She, she knows you. Right. She knows you better than you do, you know, than you know yourself sometimes. So, If you could go back in time, I don't believe in regrets. Mm-hmm. But if you could go back to an age... And give yourself some advice. What age would you choose? Oh, wow. And what piece of advice would you give yourself? Uh, I, I guess I would go back to 21, 20 or 21, while I'm still at Morehouse. And the advice I would give myself is read more, join the debate team, and then after you get out of uh, Morehouse, at some point, go to grad school. Mm. And you still didn't say take the journalism class. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> that too. That too. That too. That too. That too. I'm sorry. I that was, thought that was a given. That yeah. was a given. Yeah. <laughs> um, how can people follow you? I you don't post a lot on social media, but mm-hmm. if you want to give your social media sure. and definitely the um, how they can follow you on your news social media. Yeah, uh, I'm on uh, on X. Uh, I'm at Fox Six Steve, uh, 
and I'm on Facebook. I think it's uh, uh, Steve Crocker, WBRC. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an Instagram handle that I don't know, <laughs> but I'm on there. Just search for I Steve think Crocker. it's Steve Crocker, WBRC. Fox 6. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. My boss gets on me about that. I don't post to Instagram enough. So. I'm, try, I'm <laughs> well, trying we, to do better. Y'all pray for help, me. We going to help you on that <laughs> Urbanham.com is your source online for the best in people to know, places to go, and things to do. And of course, we have the official Urbanham merch available right now to match your style. Order the colors that represent you, your high school, college, Greek organization, your favorite sports team, or just find that perfect Urbanham t-shirt or hoodie to go with those fresh sneakers in your closet. Visit Urbanham.com today and click on Shop Urbanham to place your order. What is your favorite charity oh wow now you asked me this the day before i'm supposed to go to um shops at grand river and kick off the um the station salvation army angel tree program so um certainly hope folks will will do that um and and shout out to our viewers who are always generous yeah i mean the you know you walk into the warehouse and the place is always just packed with toys and to the volunteers from you know, local corporations who come in and um, and uh, uh, put the toys together, mm-hmm. make sure that they get to the kids that they need to get to. Um, favorite charity, um, I would say Heart Gallery, Alabama, which is not an adoption agency. Okay. But they hire photographers to take kids, uh, take pictures of kids who are available for adoption. Uh, and I think, one, you know, I'm not lucky enough to be a parent, but I've got adopted kids, like, throughout my life, mm-hmm. you know, in inside my family, outside my family. And it's just hard to imagine life without them. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's... I did a story once when I was in Dallas, um, a woman who actually had two kids, let me back up, the, the governor, Governor Bush at the time, held this event to promote adoption. And he talked about how um, some ridiculous percentage of folks who were in prison didn't have a support system at home didn't have, you know, lost their parents or their parents weren't available to take care of them and they just fell through the cracks. And so there was this woman at the at the event that his office had asked to come there and she had a son who was in the military, she had a daughter who was in high school, but she had adopted these three kids, two boys and a girl, and then she adopted this other child, this baby who was, I don't know, probably 18 months, two years old, who had some sort of deformity and and they told her that the child would never be able to sit up. And of course, she had the kid for a couple of months, the kid sitting up. Mm-hmm. And but the the other kids, the three kids, um, had come from a family where they would get locked in a bathroom because they spilled something. Mm-hmm. And so and I had just taken a class at the Pointer Institute, which is a school for journalists in, uh, in Florida. And 
you know, they talked about the importance of you know, you're covering the story, try to get it out of this, out of the meeting, out of the room, out of the, so we asked the mom if we could go, uh, go home with her because I had said something to her about, well, you know, what are you going to do? It's like 10 a.m. What are you going to do for the rest of the day? Y'all going to the park or something? She's like, no, it's a school day. They're going to school. And I said, well, can we go home with you? And she's like, sure. And now one, while we're at the thing, you know, just, again, these kids come from where they come from, but I had never seen kids stand so straight, just, just exuding this, this feeling that they finally have somebody in their lives that they can trust, mm. who they knew wasn't going to mistreat them. And uh, so we go home, and every time, you know, hey, just walk past the boys' room. Don't forget your belts. Yes, mommy. Um, just whatever, just the interaction. It was just, it was beautiful. And um, they, they also taught us uh, in that class, when you think about your story, try to reduce it to one picture, just to simplify, to just cut out all the noise. And uh, so I happened to be standing in the hallway of the house, and the girl is the first to get dressed and whatnot. And so the school is down the block, so she's headed out the door. And I'm in the hallway, and I can't see their faces because they're standing in front of the door, you know, there's all this bright light shining in. But I can see their silhouette. And the mom bends down so the girl can kiss her goodbye. That's the picture. Mm. Like where these kids came from to just having that person who you know you can depend on, who you know loves you and is concerned about your, um, your well-being. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've just seen that, um, again, throughout my life. Uh, you know, all three of my sisters are adopted. And uh, not because my parents necessarily wanted to become adopted parents because they became foster parents while I, while I was in high school. Okay. And so we had a number of kids come through our house and um, we were, were just a couple of occasions where the mom said, well, you know, I'll give my kid up for adoption if Mrs. Crocker will adopt the child. So, um, so yeah. That's beautiful, man. Well, if you don't answer one of these questions, you have to make a donation <laughs> to, to the, the, the charity. And I'm I'm pretty sure I'm gonna get one. I'm pretty yeah. I'm pretty good at getting okay. me one. And I should so. point out I, I used to serve on the board of the Heart Gallery, so okay. So there's that. Regents Park or Rickwood Field? Well, right now Rickwood. All right. Botanical Gardens or Railroad Park? Railroad Park. Love the love the gardens. God bless them. But Railroad mm -hmm. Park, yeah. Protective Stadium or Legacy Arena? Oh. Um, protective because of what it means for the community. Okay. Crossplex or Legion Field? Legion Field. Biggie or Tupac? <laughs> <laughs> How about Heavy D? Um, wow. Um, Biggie. Michael Jackson or Prince? Prince. Alabama State or Alabama A&M? 
A&M because their, their colors are maroon and white. So Okay. <laughs> Alabama or Auburn? Oh, man. <laughs> um, I knew I'd get one. <laughs> I know more Alabama people, so Alabama. Oh, you're going to choose. Okay. He's daring. Birmingham Zoo or McWayne Science Center? Zoo. Sloss Furnace or Vulcan Park? Vulcan Park. Birmingham Barons or Birmingham Squadron? Barons. Birmingham Legion or Birmingham Stallions? <laughs> We're trying to push the Stallions. Oh, uh, wait. Did I say, first I said Barons or Squadron. Right. No, I'm sorry. Squadron. Barons or Squadron. I may have messed it up. Barons or Squadron. Okay. Barons or Squadron. Barons because of their historical okay. value. And then Legion or Stallions. Oh, man. Um, I'm going to go with Legion. Okay. Um, what is your zodiac sign? Libra. Now, do you know the, the traits of a Libra? Or do you just know that that's your sign and, and you're a typical one or not? Uh, Libras are sort of peacemakers. They like to see everybody get along. Okay. Um, you know, they appreciate beauty. Yeah. Uh, and they're relatively easy to get along with. Okay. That all that all hits the, the – dots the I's and crosses the T's for me. What's your favorite color? Blue. Um, do you cook? Well, I can cook, but I'm the only one that wants to eat it generally, so <laughs> I don't know if that counts. <laughs> um, your favorite season? Oh, wow. Um, probably fall. Okay. Your favorite NBA team? I'm a Knicks fan. Favorite NFL team? I grew up a Cowboys fan. Yeah, how about them Cowboys? <laughs> but I've also been in their locker room. <laughs> and they drive me nuts. So I'm going to say Jets. The Jets, okay. I'm all right with that. Um, your favorite scripture, Bible figure, or Bible story? Uh, scripture, um, John twenty twenty nine. Um talking to Thomas and saying you uh Christ saying you know you believe because you saw me but blessed are those who didn't see the miracle yet believe, believed anyway mm. Mm. that's strong um I sent you a text and I want to shift just ever so slightly what we talk about because we kind of hit on Morehouse earlier and you know um, just to let you know I'm a huge fan of the house I, I wanted to go to Morehouse but my father made me go <laughs> elsewhere um, I hear that happens yeah but um, we're in a we're in a heck of a place here in the city of Birmingham as it relates to young black men as it relates to um, just our state of affairs. And you have a heck of a, 
vantage point being a news anchor because, you know, one of the things that I've learned dabbling in news a little bit, man, it's a whole bunch of stuff that don't hit the airwaves, you know, um, that maybe could and should. But you see a lot going on in the city of Birmingham. And I would love to know, I, w- I would love to have on, you know, on recording your, 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 your message to black men. We always say young black men, and yeah, there's a, a young aspect to it, but more so as peers charging one another what could we what should we be doing as black men in this city you know what what are your thoughts on that i would love to know where your mind takes you on that subject so a year or two ago and, and this is a this is a uh, the way morehouse can work like at its best. Mm. So uh, I had a Morehouse brother move to town and I needed to talk to him, but I didn't have his number. So I knew somebody, another brother who did. So I texted him. It's like, hey man, do you have this brother's number? You know, please let me know. And I tried to put the phone down, but the phone buzzed and there was the number. So you I, had to be reaching out to hear a good guy. <laughs> he no. know everybody though. He does. <laughs> so now, so now I have the number, and I text this other. Hey, you know, Steve Crocker, Fox Six. Please let me know when you have two minutes. So I tried to put the phone down, but the phone rang, and it was this brother I was trying to reach. And in less than five minutes, I had what I needed, and he was able to go on with his day. Um, And if we could, and I think a lot of people do, a lot of people attempt to treat each other that way. Mm. You know, I had a friend who actually used to live here, and he came back into town for something, and he said he rented a car, flies into the airport, he rented a car, goes to get the car, and there's a young brother behind the counter. And brother looks at the reservation, he's like, What? Wait, they're charging you this for that? Man, I'm going to hook you up. Gives them a nicer car at a lower price. Um, you know, so if we, if we could find a way to, um, to cooperate more, you know, um, I heard the mayor, um, is, is, uh, these cats at UAB held a, a, a summit, Black Male Summit, earlier, uh, I want to say earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And the mayor was there talking about um, how to help young people. And the mayor said something to the effect of, the problem is not that we don't have enough programs in the city. We've got a bazillion programs. The problem is that we lack cooperation and focus, I think he said. You know, but... But you have to, you have to see that. You have mm-hmm. to see that happen. Right. You have to see the benefit. You have to, 
you have to see how that works. And you know, we have to find a way to show that to each other. Um, you know, I, I was, I was talking to Larry Thornton early in the week, bumped into him someplace. And, um, he was talking about how, and for folks who don't know, Larry Thornton, you know, owns a string of, of, uh, restaurants and, um, on the board of our local, uh, Coke bottling company. Uh, and so he was explaining that he has people who work for him who don't believe that he owns the business that they work for because they can't open their minds wide enough to believe that he's doing that legitimately that to to understand you know but again you have you have to understand how he sacrificed you have to understand the you and I can understand his sacrifice, the choices he made, the, you know, the things he withstood, but, you know, you have to be able to, there's got to be some way that on a consistent basis, we can share that message. You know, if we're able to cooperate, then this happens and we all win. Yeah. You know, and, so and not, deep. not just we win, our wider community wins. Right. There's... I, um, a lot of people don't know that the managing partner at the Whataburger is black. Hmm. And I told one of the employees there, and they were like, no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> so I believe you. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. when it comes to the capacity to believe that we... And, and look, and, and for me... And let me be clear, because I didn't grow up with that, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. you know, here I am at Morehouse, again, just managed to get in somehow. And I'm in this room, uh, freshman week or, you know, early in the semester. And I'm in somebody's room. There are about, I don't know, eight or nine guys. And there's this debate going on about whether or not it's better to go to a black grad school or predominantly white grad school. And I'm like, wait a minute. There are black grad schools? And, <laughs> right. And the guy sitting next to me points out the window. We're in Graves Hall, so Harkness Hall, um, the uh, administration building for, for what was then Atlanta University, is right out the window. So he points out the window. He goes, well, AU is a black grad school. The guy that said that to me was James Cheek, Jr., whose father at that moment, if I'm not mistaken, was head, was president of Howard University. I mean, I just didn't know, man. Yeah. I hadn't been, I hadn't been exposed to it. And you, you know, some people might think, like, you know, you grow up in New York, you see everything. Um, you see everything if you move outside of your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. If you have somebody, you know, like my oldest brother did, uh, my oldest brother Rob, who would take us to, he, he said one night, you know, we're going to see a play that his girlfriend was in. And we're on the train, and we're leaving Midtown to go to Harlem. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. The theaters are all, like, down. Yeah. Well, no. Some of the theaters. You know, there's the whole off-Broadway thing. And then you can still have a play. You can still have great acting. You can still have all that in a high school gym. Yeah. You know, it's just whether or not your mind is 
is wounded. And even if you see something, somebody has to put it into a story form for you to understand it, for you to digest it. If you could have, I had two last questions for you. I'm going to let you go. I know you got to go. But if you could have a superpower, (laughs) what would it be? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, you know, the thing about the Black Panther um, that was so incredible was that um, his superpower was his intellect. But if I go back to, you know, to being a kid who read comic books or saw those Saturday morning cartoons, um, the thing that, that appeals to me is being the Flash. Mm. It's just speed. Yeah. Just being, I, to be so fast that you could run up a building. That yeah. you could defy, you know, that you can move your molecules so much that you could, you know, move through a wall. Do fantastic you know, things just, just through it, speed. Yeah. 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 So. And I had this question that I asked a couple of seasons ago, but I think it's perfect for you, especially in the fact that you made Birmingham your home. What makes you so Birmingham? You know, I don't really consider myself Birmingham. I'm I'm somebody who has the privilege of living in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. But there are people who know this community on so many deeper levels than I do. Mm-hmm. So so I wouldn't I would never claim to be Birmingham. Okay. Um but what aspects are you of you are typical or Perfect Birmingham. What aspects would be your typical Birmingham? Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, uh, every now and then, I, you know, I need a fish sandwich from Green Acres. Famous mm. need a, you know. Um, and, you know, you just, it's Friday night, and... Maybe, oh, I'm hoping that I can catch the tail end of the line, so yeah. I have to wait a half hour. Yeah, but um, but yeah, it's a you know it's always a little piece of joy. Yeah, that um, I can walk away with, you know. So, but let me say this about Birmingham. I tell and I, I, you know, we were proud to host the National Association of Black Journalists Convention, and I would say to people all the time. I grew up in, well, I, I lived in Atlanta after I graduated from college. I lived in Atlanta for about 10 years. So I was in Atlanta when it became right. the Atlanta that you know. Right, right. And understand it was not always right that way. And what Atlanta did, they elected a Morehouse alum mayor. He rebuilt the airport. And then next mayor, Andy, um, rebuilt or built the Dome Stadium. Um, And, you know, so like they're on their second Dome Stadium, which, you know, you think about that for a second. And I tell people all the time, you know, we've done the same thing. It's a little bit out of order. We rebuilt the airport, elected a Morehouse alum mayor, and now we (laughs) have a football stadium. And we are 
a few decisions away from being not Atlanta, because I don't want it to be Atlanta, and, and most folk here don't want to be Atlanta. Right. But from being the the next hot or the next it southern city, however however you want to define that. Um, and I think we just we have such an opportunity to um, to grow the city in a way, and it you know sounds sort of fairy tale, but in a way that benefits everybody, where everybody can get a piece of the pie, you know. Um, and that, that opportunity is in front of us if we'll figure out how to use it. I want to thank my friend, my church member, my, um, nighttime storyteller who I listen to for joining us. I want to thank you all for listening. And there's always a huge shout out to Creed 63 and urbanham.com. God bless. This podcast has been brought to you by Jefferson County Sheriff's Office.